So welcome to week 39 of Bhagavad Gita class. So it's interesting, this chapter, um, at the end of text, uh, or at the end of chapter 9, Krishna completes it, because that's the most confidential knowledge. And so the conclusion of that is engage your mind always in thinking of me, become my devotee, offer obeisances to me, worship me, be completely absorbed in me, surely you will come to me. So then um, Krishna begins the 10th chapter by saying, now I'm going to expand further. So in other words, how can we always think of Krishna? And so now, because to meditate on somebody, you have to know more about them. Mm-hmm. So in this chapter 10, Krishna is explaining more about who he is. Yeah. So then he, he says, um, I'm the source of all spiritual material worlds. Everything emanates from me. <laughs> And the wise who perfectly know this engage in my devotional service and worship me with all their hearts. And then he says, those who are constantly devoted to serving me with love, I give the understanding by which they can come to me. And dwelling within their hearts, I destroy with the shining lamp of knowledge the darkness born of ignorance. Um, so Arjuna, he's astonished at these sayings. And he says, you are the supreme personality of Godhead, the ultimate abode, the purest, the absolute truth. You are the eternal, transcendental, original person, the unborn, the greatest. All the great sages, such as Narada, Asita, Devala, and Vyas, confirm this truth about you, and now you yourself are declaring it to me. O Krishna, I totally accept as truth all that you have told me. Neither the demigods nor the demons, O Lord, can understand your personality. Indeed, you alone know yourself by your own internal potency. O supreme person, origin of all, Lord of all beings, God of gods, Lord of the universe, please tell me in detail of your divine opulences by which you pervade all these worlds. O Krishna, O supreme mystic, how shall I constantly think of you, and how shall I know you, and what various forms are you to be remembered, O supreme personality of Godhead? O Janardana, again please describe in detail the mystic power of your opulences. I am never satiated in hearing about you, for the more I hear, the more I want to taste the nectar of your words. Supreme Personality of Godhead said, Yes, I will tell you of my splendorous manifestations. Now he's going to get a little bit more detail. But only of those which are prominent, O Arjuna, for my opulence is limitless. So he's going to get more detail, but still it's only going to be a little, a tiny little fraction of the unlimited opulence of the Lord. So he says, I am the super soul of Arjuna, seated in the hearts of all living entities. I am the beginning, the middle, and the end of all beings. So now we're going to, we just read yeah. text 2142. So Krishna is going to get into some of these detail. Um, just little, little, little glimpses, little glimpses. <laughs> of, of this unlimited opulence. But now, but he's, he's allowing us slowly to be able to do what he was saying at the end of chapter 9. We always absorbed in him. And this actually goes deeper and deeper as we get into Srimad Bhagavatam, and we get to know his pastimes and his form. So, okay, so who would like to share? I can share. Okay. So, I thought it was... Okay, so, so the beginning of chapter, text 21, he goes... Well, I think it's in text 20. Wait, is it... Oh, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, what we read in the previous uh, class, how he's saying, 
My blessed, the blessed Lord said, Yes, I will tell you all my splendorous manifestations, but only of those which are predominant. O oh, Arjun, for my opulence is unlimitless. So I was, I was another, I was thinking like, you know, he's just giving, he's just giving us. So he's telling Arjun just, just a little bit, just a little bit. He's giving him just a little bit, and he kind of explains further in the other, the uh, next verses. <laughs> I am the Vedas of the Sama Vedas. I am, you know, I am Lord Shiva of the Yakshas and Rakshas. Like he's saying that I'm, I am all of these things, Arjun. And it's like, I think in Arjun, I feel like he's feeling like, um, he's like, tell me more, Krishna, tell me more. Because it's just like, it's giving him a little bit of something. But I think the devotee always wants to know more and more and more. They're never completely satisfied with what Krishna is giving them, they want to know more, and there's and he's limitless. So there's so much things. There's so much things that. Yeah. So the more Krishna reveals, the more the devotee wants to know more and more about him. And I was just thinking, you know, like we're all everything is emanating from Krishna. So like we, the living entities, we all have that. Um, uh, that potency within us all, that internal potency within us all, and uh, that it's, I think it's so attractive and captivating because there's a supreme presence in everything that, you know, everything that we were able to even perceive with our limited senses. There's everything um, deeper, the, the deeper element of it all is that uh, everything is. Uh, part of Krishna and Krishna, the super soul is manifested in everything that we that we can ever we can perceive. And I was thinking, uh, okay, so I was thinking how this this whole all these verses are like. I think for Arjun, like there's like this sort of anticipation. There's like he's all, he wants more and more and more, and and then like I notice like the next chapter is when he reveals like his universal form. So there's like, <laughs> he's giving a little taste. Of it, like, <laughs> he's like giving him a little taste and then, then he's going to just reveal himself completely and full to Arjuna. I think that's the most beautiful thing. So I think that was my, I think my discovery is there is no end to his divine manifestations. And I thought that was really, I think that was really amazing. And then, so my application to that would be, that it's just there's so much actually and I think Gurudev was touching on like how these men like how even Krishna's uh, mercy is manifested in the devotees and guru and everything and how that can empower us by seeing by experience this beauty and everything that can empower us to go deeper to want to know more so I think that's what Arjun's experiencing here. He's giving him a little glimpse of himself, and and Arjun's just like, wow, wow, Krishna. Uh, that's and he's it's just blowing his mind, and so yeah, and so my application is just like, there's so much. There's when you really look at it, when you really like look at everything around us, and just how fortunate we are to even have come to Krishna in this lifetime and there's so much to be grateful for so i think there's always i there's so much even 
there's so much ways that we can remember Krishna. And so I think it's just always, um, always uh, remembering um, how actually, how very um, amazing it is to, you know, to even be serving or be able to give this, get this opportunity to serve the devotees, serve our guru. So I think it's just amazing. So that's all that I gotta say. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like that, that potency is gonna be there because Krishna empowers even the atheists. Um, but so which direction do we want to be empowered? You know, are we empowered to serve and please our false ego? Yeah. Or are we empowered to be a servant of Guru yeah. and Krishna? And so but the empowerment is going to come. So sometimes we can be tricked because mm. we're going to get that potency. Um, like we see so many like false religionists mm. and they can become really big and really popular and have lots of followers and money mm. and things. But it's not the empowerment that's in line with um, the parampara with Guru and Krishna. Yeah. The type of empowerment uh, Guru was talking about mm. is the empowerment of a saintly person who is um, completely entering into the internal potency of the Lord. Yeah, which and that is, internal potency is Radharani, which is the personification of devotion and love. And Krishna is conquered by her love. I think that's so, you know. Yeah. That was the mood of Lord Jaitanya. So, um, in the uh, Bhagavatam, also, there's descriptions because these are all different ways that we can think of the Lord. So, in the Bhagavatam, it gives more of a description of how you can see the Lord in nature. So, it says, like, the mountains are like the bones of the Lord, mm-hmm. and the rivers are like the veins of the Lord, mm-hmm. and the trees are like his the hairs on his body. <laughs> and uh, so, but I mean, it's it's there so that we can remember Krishna. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's his external energy. But these are all there to realize where this energy is coming from. Mm-hmm. It's coming from Krishna. Oh, sure. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> <clears throat> okay, so my discovery was in um, the 25th verse, 10th chapter. It was in the purport. Um, of all sacrifices, the chanting of Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, is the purest representation of Krishna. Sometimes animal sacrifices are recommended, but in the sacrifice of Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, there is no question of violence. It is the simplest and the purest. Uh, my understanding of that is in Kali Yuga, the age of quarrel, the chanting of the Maha Mantra is the purest and simplest form of sacrifice without any need for violent action. The Maha Mantra is an incarnation of Krishna himself and therefore is the purest representation of the Lord. And my application of that is that ever since I first encountered the Hare Krishna Mantra back in the early 1970s, I have been chanting it, often in various ways of meditation and contemplation or just at random times the mantra would enter my thoughts. The mantra was there with me in my difficult times and my easy times. It has become my most trusted companion and friend. As my spiritual knowledge grew as a devotee, I have learned that the Maha Mantra is the foundation of devotional service, where all other forms of seva manifest from. It is the method of liberation, purification, enlightenment for this age, and at the same time, so much more. As each day passes, I hope I can chant with less offenses, because I still offend, (laughs) that my chanting becomes more pure, 
So through a consistent and dedicated practice of chanting of the Maha Mantra, through this sublime and simple process, I can come closer to Lord Krishna to increase my love for him, to please him and to serve him. This has become my only true desire. Yeah, if we can chant the name purely, then um, we can attain Krishna. That is, that is fully being with Krishna. Um, the only thing, the only reason we're not with Krishna when we chant the holy names is our consciousness. We we have blocks, and our mind um, is blocking that pure name from entering. So that's a wonderful prayer because we can get to the state of purely chanting. Krishna's name, and we've attained Krishna, <laughs> literally being with Krishna, fully facing Krishna, as opposed to being sort of there, but partially there, but partially not there. <laughs> so. Did you? Hare Krishna. Please accept my humble obeisances. Obeisances to you. Thank you for giving me an opportunity to share. Um, as Prabhuji was talking about, I was like, uh, same verse, uh, <laughs> Krishna says uh, in the 10.25 uh, of all sacrifices, I'm the chanting of the holy names, Japa, and uh, mm, uh, I'm, the understanding is that disciplic succession gave us this Mahamantra to chant. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. And the application feels like doing the chanting more and more with so many responsibilities. I feel like doing chanting so much. Uh, I'm so much indebted to the devotees and disciplic succession who has given this process to me. And uh, I truly believe that... Uh, Somehow, uh, initially, I was just chanting. I didn't know that I have to hear. I just uh, was chanting, chanting. And when Maharaj came one time, I was like, I just told him, like, I really like chanting. I didn't even know what it is. I just fell in love with chanting. I just was uttering in the car, uttering everywhere. I was, like, chanting every, like, whenever I get some, some time, I was doing it. But then slowly, when I entered into the process, now it's listening. So focus without the offenses. That's the challenging task. And when I could see like how it's that itself is a big process. It's like just starting is just like a first step. And to reach the final step, one lifetime is not enough, I believe. Like you just without offenses to go there is not easy. So I'm like a, not even at the first step right now of trying to get there. Thank you. Thank you. Ultimately, it's you know by the blessing of Krishna because our mind, you know, it's described like I turn it off the fan, my fan's still spinning, and so <clears throat> it's only really through practice and Krishna blesses us the ability, but also you know it's a sacrifice because really all we have is our attention. It's the only asset we have, and so when we decide to put our full attention into the holy names. And then we've done the sacrifice in full surrender. And we've given our full attention to it. And it's, it is very difficult. It's difficult. But um, if we don't give up, and like Krishna says, you know, always to bring the mind back mm -hmm. to the holy names, and begging Krishna for his mercy, and actually 
you know, we make advancement. As we make advancement, then Krishna, he can, um, he can give blessings. Like Krishna is empowering us to be able to control the mind, actually. And we try and try and try, but ultimately Krishna is giving that blessing to have that potency to do it. Right? I mean, Krishna is explaining how he's the source of all energy and potency. So Krishna is ultimately allowing us to control this force, this very powerful mind. Would you like to share how you do it, Prabhu? Like what makes you... I try. Any, any <laughs> well, tips on that? Well, one thing is is um, is to well, this this nice book, you know, the Japa book, is to try to um, hear every mantra and every word and to call out from the heart. It's like Prabhupada said, like a baby calling you know, for its mother. So if you if you feel like you know every word is important, every name is important. And then you won't disregard the names because um, like it's significant. It's like in the Vedas, it says if you chant this one name, Hari, like obtain liberation, <laughs> or you'll be free from all sins. Different, many different blessings that are given. Did anyone, anyone else want to share any tips? I, I, I have something to share. What helps me is um, visualizing things, like um, just visualizing, just, um, uh, just. Maybe just Krishna's form, Krishna's beauty, or dancing, singing, um, playing with Krishna, playing with you know the cows. I that's what I I do, and then I just I just I visualize it in detail. So what do I feel like? What am I like experiencing? Like what can I? Um, what am I seeing? What am I feeling? What am I hearing? What am I smelling? It's like I completely absorb myself in the visual and you know you know ganga mantri is ganga mantri mm. no he's a devotee here he he um he recommended me doing something like when the mind you feel the mind is like like um going elsewhere and going somewhere else and being distracted to bring it back to uh to recenter it and refocus it he says just to imagine a big fire right and you're taking that that thing that's distracting you and that's pulling your attention away from actually hearing and actually absorbing yourself. You're taking that and you're throwing in the fire and you're offering it to Krishna. And like he's saying, it's like a sacrifice. You're sacrificing it. You're throwing it in the fire and you're going swaha. You know, like, you know, initiation. Mm -hmm. Now we throwing or offering different um, paraphernalia to the fire, saying swaha, swaha. It's the same thing. You're just throwing it in the fire. And you can even think, like, you know, you can get really in detail about that, like just dragging it. If it's like, if it feels heavy and it feels dense, you're just pulling it. And you may be crying or something, and you're throwing it in the fire. But I think that helps me. It's just visualizing everything and really, like, putting yourself, because even the visuals, like when you, when you, when you, when you imagine Krishna, it's like it's non-different than him and himself. So you can experience Krishna directly through that. And I, 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 I know for me that it helps me a lot. Even what he, what he said, just that thing, just throwing it in the fire and offering it. It helps me. It helps you just stay, just stay there and you just close your eyes and just 
you could see everything. Actually, mm-hmm. the this weekend, Shamasundar, like uh, last mm-hmm. weekend when we had the initiation ceremony, Shamasundar Prabhu came mm-hmm. and uh, he said, like, he gave us the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra, mm-hmm. um, um, like a photo, like just like a size of the driver's license so you yeah. can just put it in front and visualize it but then the maharaj was saying like you have to hear mm-hmm. and also like visualizing is like mm-hmm. uh, you're trying to because the mind can only do one thing so i was asking maharaj then the prabhu is saying like you have to visualize but it's like you cannot toggle the mind so how is it that is it visualizing or hearing? Well, so I, I then hearing I, is... The... I think you hear, of course, you're hearing, but mm-hmm. at the same time, you're not only... You're engaging your mind in something that it can be mm-hmm. attentive. You know, like st- it, it can it can stimulate it at the same time. You can engage Instead it of through, going like yeah, you can go other you things, to to other rather things. just you focus. Can, does that make sense? Does that make sense? Yeah. I, mean, I think with anything, it's not about controlling it like, oh, I got to... I gotta just stop my thoughts. I gotta do this, but it's it's about engaging it. That's why we do devotional service because we're engaging our mind in active spiritual activities in service to Krishna. You know what I mean? It's not about like oh, I need to just you know like free myself from all of these crazy things that's going on in my mind. It's about just like okay, I'm gonna put myself the, and I'm gonna yeah. instead you know, of like, having the negative yeah. thoughts, just focus does, on. Does the that make sense? Positive. I don't know. Am I? Am I? Does that make sense to you? Or yeah, like, I mean. I'll, I'll, I think what I did, um, because I had a I had a Buddhist background yeah. in mindful meditation. So yeah. one thing I did notice that 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 all those years doing that yeah. has helped me in my job, because yeah. the theory there was to if you have stray thoughts that go in your mind, you just let them pass, let them go, but they're by, you know. Mm-hmm. But you don't give them any pay attention to them at all, mm-hmm. you know. It's actually easier when you're doing japa to do that because mm-hmm. you've got something else to focus your mind on. Where mm-hmm. in Buddhist meditation, you don't. You just, yeah. that's the reason it's very, very difficult, especially in this age, to yeah. do that type of, of meditation. So what I what I do is I use kind of the same idea. Mm-hmm. You know, if I've got these straight thoughts coming, I says, okay, I acknowledge, okay, there's mm-hmm. a straight thought there, but then I go right back to chanting. Mm-hmm. And then as I start to do that, less and less do those straight thoughts come in, into play because Krishna's there. And it's even more powerful and more able to keep those straight thoughts from coming all the time. Um, so that's what I've noticed in comparison to. And that's a good yeah. thought that throwing it in the fire, that's a yeah. good thing a that really good uh, helps yeah. probably because mm-hmm. the negative thoughts come to me too. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I'll just let mm-hmm. it pass, but mm-hmm. they keep coming. They keep coming as mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. were saying, like throw it in the fire as well. Yeah. That really I think helps. It, I, think. I think it's Bhakti Nano Thakur that says like when you're touching the the mala beads, yeah. it's like you're touching the feet of Krishna too. too. Yeah. Is yeah. it Bhakti awesome. Vinod Thakur? I think so. I guess yeah, so. it's like I you're touching, so. you're like massaging the feet mm-hmm. of Krishna as you're chanting too. Yeah. So it's like oh, a lot of things. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the frustration oftentimes comes in is that we expect yeah. the mind to stop thinking and stop yeah. straying off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we can't, we can't get frustrated with that because if we do, then it's just going to come faster and more rapid to try yeah. to challenge that. You know, So kind of just not paying it any mind, acknowledging that it's there, but then go right back to chanting. Yeah. You know, and I think that really, uh, I know it helps me a lot. But Well, that's what Krishna says. No. Krishna says, from whenever and wherever the mind wanders due to his flickering and unsteady nature, mm-hmm. should bring it back under the control of the self. Because, actually, Prabhupada was asked this question. And Prabhupada, all he responded was said, he says, no. He said, just here. He said, just here. Because the thing is, is that you, 
like you were saying, your mind can only do one thing at a time. So what you do is you bring it back. If you, you catch it wandering and you just bring it back and you just hear the mantra because Prabhupada was explaining the mantra is fully Krishna. When you're hearing the vibration, it's fully Krishna. Now, if you're, if you're hearing nicely and then Krishna appears in your mind, then you, you don't reject that mm. as Krishna, but you don't try to think about the form of Krishna. Do you see the difference? I see, I see. You don't, yeah. you don't, you don't separately endeavor to think about the form of Krishna. Mm. Instead, you, you just, you just hear, and that's a gift. If you're hearing really nicely, you're going really deep into hearing every syllable of the Maha Mantra, and then as you're doing that, you you see Krishna, Krishna manifest without a separate endeavor. And then that's that's a different thing. Mm. But, yeah, this I have heard, Prabhu, like lots yeah. of devotees were saying, like as you keep chanting, they were saying first the feet comes and then they it try is... to have the form coming into their mind. So it's like probably it's a different uh, um, adaptation yeah. of the mind, I think. Like, because usually, as I also heard, because uh, the name and form are non-different because they say Sanskrit words, when you chant, it's exactly they have figured out the sound will give the exact form of the uh, alphabet I heard. So I'm thinking this Mahamantra is nothing but Krishna. So that I'm thinking it would come in the later, in the advanced stages I heard. Because I've never faced it yet, but I'm still trying to hear, hear, hear. The mind is not able to, I'm not able to hear. It's very tough. Like, like our, our job is to concentrate. So like if we're reading Krishna's words in Bhagavad Gita, like focus on Krishna, what Krishna is saying in Bhagavad Gita. If you're reading like a pastime, then focus on that pastime. Uh, if you're hearing a conversation between great souls, then really hear that conversation. And if you're hearing the holy, if you're meditating on the form of Krishna, then really meditate on the form of Krishna. If you're chanting the holy names, all we have to do is just focus on the vibration of the holy names. And then everything will come. Like you were saying, you have the realization everything will come through that. So it's not that it's not that you're you're wrong, you're correct. Yes. But the difference is is that we have to separate the the. Well, the, I, well, I'm thinking. I'm not. I'm not trying to say that I'm just meditate. I'm not trying to say just go to the form of just hear. Well, you're well, you're here and you're experiencing at the same time. Well, you may or, you may or may not. But the point is, is don't make a separate endeavor. Yeah. Just just hear the vibration. I don't mean it like that. I mean it like a separate endeavor. Yeah. Because that would be something that would manifest potentially. But I, I do what you do, Masaji. I do that. Most of the oh, time, yes. whenever I hear the lecture or some things that I've heard in the day, I try to put that on the focus, on the focus. But then I completely lost hearing. I was like, what did I do? I was only meditating on what the pastime was. I never, only like few times I get it back to hear. So that's how I, my question was, was it the hearing or having the form is like, like trying to get to what, but then I realized Maharaj was only talking about hearing, just hear, just hear. And that's not easy, just hearing. And do it with love too. Like Prabhupada said, chant with, with love, with feeling. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, 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 Hare Krishna. I, I do have the tears every day. I feel like 
how I can do it better, Krishna, how I can do it better. I keep trying, but it's my mind is too, too, too boggling. I mean, it just goes so many places. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> one, one of the things I did just hear the with, desire a, for it. with the Japa workshop was that, that I was listening to on YouTube was that that oftentimes too it, it helps to to be able to hear. Sometimes we get in this. They were saying you get in this momentum, mm -hmm. you know, and you get really going in a certain momentum, a certain way of pace that you're that you're doing Japa. Change up the pace, really fast. Just change up, slow down, you know, and just really hear the words. And then you'll go back into another pace, and that's okay, because then you start hearing the words, and you start hearing better. And if that happens again, change your pace again, change things up, and then and then you'll start hearing and hearing more and more. Yeah, in other words, if you're if you're just going Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, 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 you're you're going really fast, then change it to Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, 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 and then you really start paying attention. So change it up. Yeah, that's. I thought that was a really good good. Technique. He says you can go high, you can go low, low you can go yeah. up and down, you can do rhythmic. <laughs> and that visualization that, that uh, Chaitanya Leela talked about, about throwing sacrifice, I, I think that's a really and, amazing and visualization I didn't, I've never thought about. Well, that's something oh, that, what is that, Prabhu? that visualization that Chaitanya Leela was talking about is for throwing it yeah. into the fire. You know, yeah, that's yeah, really that's, your that's thoughts. a good, that's a uh, very, very good thing, Mataji. Uh, because I get a lot of negative thoughts also every day. So I'll probably use that, throw it as a swaha, and yeah. then try to get to well, the that, Well, that's the thing, is because you can, before, like Radha Swami talks about saying the Sankalpa. Actually, Bharijan to Prabhu in his Japa book. So before you sit down and chant, you can set a, an intention, and you can say a prayer. Like, please allow me to, you know, hear your holy names, please. And then you can, you can med meditate on something like that, like throwing, like, you know, in the fire, or on the anartas. Like that, yeah, exactly. <clears throat> but what Prabhupada was saying when this devotee asked the question is like, when you're chanting Japa, simply hear. That's it. That's it. it was that, that, and I think the mind needs something that simple too. The mind needs something because <clears throat> as soon as it's not just here, then the mind's going to be trying the techniques, <laughs> the mind's going to be going through the, the techniques or this. So, <clears throat> okay, let's see what Mario Mohini says. <clears throat> All right. Okay, she accidentally deleted it, and then she <laughs> she had wrote again, so she was hoping that she remembered what she said. So this is from ten thirty eight. Among the confidential activities of hearing, thinking, and meditating, silence is the most important because by silence one can make progress very quickly. Understanding. Silence is very important because by quiet, quieting the noises of the world, one can become receptive to Krishna. That's what we were talking about. Yeah, yeah. And hear him, and thereby make progress. It is particularly important the activities of thinking and meditating. Application. I will cultivate silence. I already do spend a significant amount of time in silence, which is when I can hear the whisperings of Krishna to my soul and can feel his presence. So when I hear silence, I think of silencing the mind, just like we were talking about. Because to the degree the mind is spinning, then we can't see Krishna, we can't hear Krishna, and we can't hear his names. So, and Prabhupada would give that distinction as, um, as opposed to trying to completely empty the mind that you're talking about mm -hmm. in uh, Buddhist meditation. 
So silence, Prabhupada would say silence means only talking about Krishna. Prabhupada would make that distinction. Okay, thank you so much, Mari Mohini. And all right, we're we're having a nice discussion. It's already five forty one. Let's see. Remember which verse. That was quite a bit of reading, but it was really short purpose. It was really short. Yeah. Yeah, they weren't or no purpose at all. Some, Some of them were, yeah. <clears throat> okay, this is from ten thirty eight as well. Among those who are trying to be victorious in some field of activity, the most victorious... Oh, no, First Krishna says, Of those who seek victory, I am morality. So then Prabhupada explains, Among those who are trying to be victorious in some field of activity, the most victorious element is morality. So understanding. This statement by Krishna gives a clear indication of how to be successful in anything and everything we do. The only way to succeed in any of our endeavors is to follow the path laid down by the Supreme Lord. Following the instructions of Lord Krishna directly and through his representatives is the proper definition of morality. Lord Krishna in Bhagavad Gita is clearly delineating morality through his instruction to Arjuna. Because Srimad Bhagavad Gita is the jewel of the Mahabharata, the essence of the Vedas, directions coming from God, it pinpoints the processes to elevate ourselves. Every process advised in Bhagavad Gita is moral, yet the highest morality is also clearly indicated. Repeatedly, Krishna emphasizes the path of loving devotional service to him as being the highest morality. This woven theme of full surrender is declared emphatically at the end of Bhagavad Gita, 1866, wherein Krishna says to abandon all other forms of dharma, the path of morality, and surrender unto him. The person who takes this direction as his life and soul will never perish. Lord Krishna gives us firm promise through his devotee Arjuna. Application Suffering comes from my own immorality in this life and previous lives. In order to once and for all be free from mishaps, I must become moral in the highest sense. At every level, I pray for the mercy, strength, and inspiration to render loving devotional service with the aim of following Sri Krishna's clear direction in Bhagavad Gita. By receiving the full mercy of the Lord in the form of pure love for Him, I pray to one day to be completely free from immoral thoughts, words, and actions and attain supreme victory of Krishna Prema. Somehow that stood out. That's a victory I immorality. Because so, if you're not, if you're immoral, if you're going against Krishna and his representatives, there's no chance of victory. It's failure every time. But if you, whenever you follow Krishna, it's always victory. It's always success, guaranteed. <clears throat> okay, so the first question is list a couple of the Lord's opulences given in this section that you especially appreciate. This came from. I didn't write it down, which is unusual for me. Um, so I'm not too sure what purport this came from or what verse this came from, the purport, but um, in this particular section it says if after studying one can remember a subject matter, he is gifted with a good memory. Or smriti, is that how you say that? Smriti? Smriti? Uh, and the ability not only to read many books on different subject matters, but to understand them and apply them with uh, with necessary, uh, with with necess yeah, necessary is intelligence. Uh, another opulence, the ability to overcome un, uh, unsteadiness 
is called firmness or steadfastness. And when one is fully qualified, yet is humble and gentle, and when one is able to keep his balance both in sorrow and in ecstasy of joy, he has the opulence called patience. So, um, you know, I looked at that particular section there, and so I was looking at them, and I said that, you know, one of the ones that I really have always appreciated is patience, um, because I've noticed that, you know, walking any sort of spiritual path, no matter what spiritual path you're, you're walking, a lot of patience is required. You've got to have patience, you know. In this world we're in, we're so fast-paced, we're so impatient with everything, you know, that that is something that you, you have to try to capture in yourself, too. And so I really have a great uh, appreciation for that, for patience. Also for, um, uh, of course, all the rest of them, you know, uh, that, that I mentioned here. Uh, for me, memory also, I have a, a great appreciation and admiration for memory. Um, because my memory is like, oh my goodness, <laughs> my memory is not very good. You know, and I, as I'm getting older, it's getting worse. So, so yeah, so that's one of the big ones there too for me. So anyway, yeah. Anything else you want to share? Some of the all right. I agree. So, one thing was, Krishna says, Veda is I am the Samaveda. And the Samaveda is the beautiful hymns. So, Krishna was indicating he's a great poet, he's a great uh, singer. Sometimes <laughs> I always think about those things. Um, also, bodies of water, I am the ocean. So the ocean is obviously very large, and it's also the color of Krishna. So we can always think of Krishna when we see the ocean. Also, you know, the, that beautiful verse in Bhagavad Gita where it says that one who is satisfied is like an ocean. Even if these different thoughts or feelings, or they're like rivers coming in and out of that ocean, but they don't affect that ocean. Because that, that satiation in the heart one who has become fixed in Krishna consciousness um, is described like that. It's as large and as immovable as an ocean. <laughs> or in terms of, like, you can't affect the ocean, like little streams coming in and out. Um, I'm the dispensers of, among the dispensers of law, I am Yama, the Lord of Death. That's a side of Krishna that um, is necessary and actually a blessing because wouldn't it be just awful if we had to live for eternity in these illusory, this illusory environment? This is not who we are. So it's like a, you know, a movie that never ends, like a bad movie that never ends. <laughs> <laughs> um, a flowing of rivers, I am the Ganges. The Ganges is like the life of the devotees because she's also like you know, the mother of devotion and very dear to Krishna. Um, it's a few I had. Of course, of sacrifices on the chain of the holy names we talked about. 
it's pretty wonderful that that's you know that's our main practice is chanting and right here in Bhagavad Gita. Yeah. You know, I am the sacrifice. Okay, so number the second one. Explain a little about how Krishna is all devouring death. Uh, we have like uh, uh, <clears throat> Bhagavatam class every day. Like uh, right now, uh, uh, the pastimes of Dhruva Maharaj uh, are going on, and uh, when Dhruva, uh, the uh, aeroplane came for Dhruva Maharaj to get into. Uh, the personified death came to him and he just uh, well, he embraced it at stepping on the death so I'm thinking it's the devouring death yes but if you are uh, a Krishna's devotee it doesn't bother you so as like through a Maharaj he stepped on it and so that's how we feel like Krishna is uh, yeah that yeah we embrace it rather than just fear it yeah mm-hmm. it's like our gateway mm-hmm. to the spiritual world or, or to a better position Krishna's like you know like Prabhupada gives the example of the cat carrying the kitten mm. yeah. Krishna is putting us in the perfect situation yeah yeah nice mm-hmm. you want to add anything? Um, that was really nice uh, um, I know from <coughs> The, the same verse, uh, I think it starts off in the purport, as soon as a man is born, he dies at every moment. Thus death is devouring like, uh, every living entity at every moment. But the last stroke is called death itself. That death is Krishna. So, you know, um, it's one thing that, you know, in this temporary world, death is inevitable. You know, it's not something we accept, you know, that that's going to happen. Um, but it's not really a death of us, but just the death of this body, you know, so, um, it's just the nature of things, you know, um, so it's nothing to be feared, nothing to be, you know, nothing to be, uh, you know, not look forward to or anything else or look forward to, but, but at the same time, it's just, it, it just is what it is. It's a part of Krishna. It's a part of the whole nature of everything. So once I think you kind of have that sort of approach to it, death is no longer a, really that big of a deal, really. What's the big deal is if you can think of Krishna or, you know, or you're in that process of, of, of death. You can still have him in your mind and be thinking about it. Try not to do it again. And try not to do it again, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it is it's a great blessing if you can overcome the fear of death because death is fearful I mean it's not it's not you know it's not natural for us it's very and it's painful too yeah like <laughs> Satchitananda we're blissful by nature yet death is extremely um, obscure for the soul it's very strange and, and plus like this illusory energy is so powerful like Green was saying this morning, we really believe you know, we are this body, we are this mind, and we identify with that. Um, 
And um, so when this body is dying, because it's so real, so vivid, like this body, like this 3D contraption, this really lucid, <laughs> lucid dream, it's scary. I mean, it just is. <laughs> it's just like shocking. It's like, yeah. <clears throat> and this machine is breaking down. It's, it's very yeah. shocking. I mean, as much as I, you know, as long as I've been in Krishna consciousness, it's still shocking when you see death. Or you think that, oh, I might die. It's, it's, it's pretty... You have to really, you know, pretty advanced stage to not be affected by death. Yeah, I, I think that, uh, too, when you have, when you go through a, a disease of some sort, and you, like I did with cancer, and then you... And then you see a lot of death around you. A lot of people that were up worse off. I mean, they were really in the process of really dying. They were terminal. And uh, and working with people like that, volunteering at cancer centers and working with that. Also, as I was, I was a caregiver for a long time in hospice. So, and seeing it all the time, you know. Um, you do start to, you have to. I think you start to look at the world in a new way, you know. Understand, wow, this is really, I mean, way back when I was doing that. This is really temporary. This is not, you know, a permanent deal that you got going on here as far as the body goes. And I think once I, I started to incorporate uh, Krishna consciousness into that philosophy of that approach to death and understanding we are a spirit soul, we are not a body, and started to add that to my already feelings that we're not really this body, we're some kind of soul or some kind of spirit of some sort then it just enhanced my my approach to how death is and when I directly had experience with coming close to mm -hmm. that then all of a sudden you just say wow that's really nothing you know but I think until you you experience that it's really hard to you, there is and it's scary I mean it is when I first diagnosed I got I was really scared you know and I thought what am I scared of exactly what is it that I'm scared of scared of this body dying I'm not going anywhere. I'm not dying. You know, not really. So, I mean, it's just that, you know what I'm saying? It was this kind of attitude that I sort of started to develop just over time because I've always kind of looked at it as a temporary deal anyway, you know. But it is a scary process. People are just so afraid. They're so afraid. Because it's bodily identification. So yeah, strong. they're so attached. You see your body, like, was there in a way before you? or? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Or, you know, or you get an accident, and it's like, yeah. it's just... Yeah, it's like, the, you it's know, if you don't really get an accident, like, flash, you know. But the, it was, I'm going to mod, you look back, and you just, it's not what you, it's not what either of us were thinking, we just... Yeah. You know, it was, it was, so it's amazing when you approach it, and you, it's almost a test. Test how am I really going to react to this? You can theorize all you want and say no. But See, that's the thing. Until you approach it. That's the thing. It's, it's experiential. I can't say I'm not scared. I'm not afraid of death. I don't know if you can't see it. It's the biggest test. They say it's the biggest test in our life. 40,000 scorpions are biting that's, at the same time the same when Venus, devouring right? death comes. So yeah. that's like... Uh, Everything's being taken away. Yeah, it's yeah. a huge pain. But Papa so, said, I think he said it's like sleeping for nine months. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and we're not afraid to go to sleep. Right. So, I mean, death is just like sleeping, really. Because the subtle body is still there, it's still intact. Right. Of course, when we go back to the spiritual world, the subtle body is 
God, too. Because that's also not who we are. Yeah. We're not this mind. So. It's a nice compilation that um, Matipur Shotama Swami put together. Who? And he comes to Phoenix sometimes, too. Who is that? Bhati, Bhati Purushottama Swami? Swami. It's a book he wrote called Death, the final, the final exam. Yeah, I read that. Have you read that? Mm. Yeah, it's a I nice collection of quotes of Prabhupada. Yeah. Okay, so after explaining some of his opulences, how does Lord Krishna summarize and conclude this chapter? This was a massive question to answer. <laughs> For me, I don't know why, because there's so much here, yeah. you know, that it was really hard to kind of answer. So I kind of uh, took a out of the last uh, the last verse here in this chapter. I sort of took a little bit out of the I took out of the port that uh, um, that was there. Um, the Supreme Lord is represented throughout the entire material universes by his entering into all things as the super soul. The Lord here tells Arjuna that there is no point in understanding how things exist in their separate opulence and grandeur. He should know that all things are existing due to Krishna's entering them as Supersoul. From Brahmaha, the most gigantic entity, on down to the smallest ant, all are existing because the Lord has entered each and all and is sustaining them. From Lord, and then on, it goes on to say, from Lord Krishna's potent energy, even the powerful sun gets its power. And by Krishna's partial expansion, the whole world is maintained. Therefore, Lord Sri Krishna is worshipped. So, you know, I, I thought that kind of summarized most of the, 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 the chapter, in a sense, of just kind of what Krishna was really trying to say, that, you know, I'm, I'm the source of it all, you know. And um, getting into detail, he even says a detail of opulences and things like that, sometimes it's not really that important just to really know that, that I'm the source of it all. Yeah, well, it's interesting. It's not the first place that Krishna um, describes that if you know him in this way, you'll attain to him. Because if you remember, he said in the 8th chapter as well, he said, those who understand the transcendental nature of my appearance and activities never take birth again in this material world. So, and it's a deeper understanding than just theoretical. It's like having a realization that, like, whoa, like, Krishna is the source of all spiritual and material worlds. All energies are emanating from him. Is expanded in the heart of every living entity throughout cre the, throughout the vast creation, and he's conscious of every living entity, and he's there witnessing and, and giving facility and permission for the living entity to go this way or that way, and he comes and he's never touched by this material world. He's always transcendental, and then living your life <clears throat> in such that realized state where. You're, you're knowing and understanding that fact at every moment. Now, this isn't just like a random environment. Krishna is there, and he's controlling, he's dictating, actually, yet giving facility for free will. So, I think you read you read both of those verses at the end, or those yeah. three verses? Well, that's the, like, the <coughs> first, the very end from Lord Krishna's book. I don't know if that came from... Again, I didn't mark these, which is really weird. Did you read, um... It came from the last one. I think it came from another verse. Okay. Know that all opulent, beautiful, and glorious creations spring but from a spark of my splendor? I, I didn't read that part. And then he says, what, you, what is... But what is there, Arjuna? What need is there, Arjuna, for this detailed knowledge? 
With a single fragment of myself, I pervade and support this entire universe. So again, he's indicating, I'm just telling you, a little little fraction, I mean a little hint of my opulences. Some things that you can wrap your mind around and say, wow, like, if warriors that you are Arjuna, if bodies water in the ocean, of the movable things that are in the Himalayas. Um, just different examples that we can see, like this is very big, like in our, in our perspective, in our reality, when we see the ocean, that's so big for us. Um, so can we say that all this, the opulences of the absolute and the universal form, all these are just uh, the sat form of the uh, personality of Godhead? Just in the sat it's just the sat Yeah, because it's the existence. Mm -hmm. um, Sandini mm -hmm. is like an expansion of Balaram, mm -hmm. but it's the external... Inferior, inferior energy, mm. but it's ultimately an expansion of Balaram, because Balaram is expanded as Mahavishnu, mm. uh, ultimately, because all the Vishnu's are expansions of Balaram, mm. and so when he gives the potency of Lord Brahma to create that illusory energy, that's coming from Balaram, mm. so that's the existence of the Lord, you know, the Sat, Sat Vichy. Yeah, and the knowledge potency um, is forming that connection. Like, in other words, like the living entity can. Um, the, sat, the true sat feature of the living is, li is yoga, actually. It's the living entity's knowledge and who they are. Like, the first stage is um, it's a sambandha, like knowledge of who I am. I'm not this body, I'm an eternal soul, I'm servant of Krishna. And then. So you have San, um, Samanda, then Abhideya, and Prayojana. Abhideya is the process. But those are all um, like chit, like the chit potency, the knowledge potency, but the Prayojana is the Ananda. So the chit is, is the connection, connecting who I am, what's my position, and, and how to connect. And then the Prayojana is a Ananda feature. Sambandha and Abhidaya is the chit potency. Right. Yeah, as I understand it, because it's the the, the chit is is informing that connection. Like Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, all the Vedas I am to be known. So that's the knowledge. And then when you make that strong connection, that's a prayojana. Pure love to Krishna. So well, that's, I mean, what an amazing verse. This is just a spark of Krishna's splendor. I mean, what he's describing. He's like, what's the use? What's the use of all this? It's a tiny fragment of myself. So, I mean, I just pray to have, you know, realization of it. And it's like, it's like... It's like everything, you know, like just what the verses are describing, how the verses are describing. It's just a glimpse of him. But yet, when we go deep in a re like relationship and actually practice it, we can have even more deeper realizations of him because he's revealing more through our uh, devotion to him. Yeah. 
I love. So it's not even like nothing, nothing, like just, it just being written here, it's nothing like compared to what we, what he's revealed to us through actually experiencing that love directly through service, you know? Yeah, someone who reads. It's like. Someone who reads only. Yeah. Without surrender to Guru, yeah. yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Because why, why does Krishna say, because Krishna says in verse 34, he could say, if you want to learn the truth, just read the book, read these books, but he doesn't, right? He yeah. says you have to put the spiritual master. Yeah. So then he says, actually he just said in this chapter, that I read the book. So he's, he's like telling us all about his opulence, but yet it's like, like I was saying, it's like, like it's like we, if we have that, like, that, that uh, desire to want to know more, and that's, that comes through actually service to him, you know, but this is just giving us a little intro to that, you know, yeah. for, to make us attracted, to make us drawn into it, you know. Yeah, it resonates in the heart mm -hmm. of the mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Yeah. Like a devotee who reads that, who is on the path of Krishna consciousness, who has a surrender to Guru, like can jump, can jump out of it. Yeah, I, I always hear devotees how they they read the Bhagavad Gita like in the beginning, and yet they're going back to it over and over. They can read it over, and they're getting more and more and more from it. You know. I keep, I read like on the holidays, I will keep reading, yeah. reading. Every reading, it's new for me. Yeah. Not, like, I didn't feel like I read this. It's like, yeah. no, yeah. every yeah. time it's new. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, it's like an endless reservoir. Because yeah. wow. Bhagavad Gita is also Krishna. Yeah. The Krishna is saying, I'm limitless, so Bhagavad Gita is also limitless. Yeah, yeah I, 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 exactly. Chaitanya Lila hit it right on the head there, because that's exactly what I wind up you know, I've read Bhagavad Gita, but I haven't really read the Bhagavad Gita. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Because I go back and I, I see, well, mm -hmm. I never, I don't remember reading that. I don't remember that, <laughs> you know, yeah. always. Yeah. For as long as I've read it over and over again, I find that, you know, it's just absolutely, and it's, it's amazing. You know, it's absolutely amazing. Mm -hmm. And Srimad Bhagavatam is the same way. Of course, I haven't read all the way through that, but what I have read and I've gone back, I said, how did I miss that? What was that, you know? And all these transcendental knowledge that's been, all these wonderful Vedic texts that's been there, just they're all like that. In I have sense. no doubt, it's Krishna. Krishna is revealing those things to you. Yeah. Like, why does something stand out to you? That's a Krishna. Like Krishna is actually speaking to you through Bhagavad Gita. Yeah, and it's, and it's like Arjuna is us. Right, Arjuna. It's like it's giving, and we can see the reflection in our lives. You know what I mean? Like even just with everything, he has unlimited. Like he's manifested himself unlimited, even in this cosmic manifestation. And it, it's like it's like the Gita. Like we can see something, but now like when we go deeper, it's we're seeing things in a different, whole other light. We're seeing the depths of of that that something. You know, like. Like when even when we go out, like in like we've had you know this knowledge is revealed to us, Krishna, through our relationship with Him. Like we go out, we go outside and just like the regular, you know, we're going out to and we're seeing everything in a completely different way. Yeah. You know what I mean? That same thing. It's like it's like this is like the Bhagavad Gita is like a reflection of our our existence. 
know? Yeah, it's a good point. Mm-hmm. It's just like, like say we, we, we see a shooting star now, mm-hmm. and we might just feel this realization, oh, this is a spark of your splendor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like yeah. then you you start so Bhagavad Gita transcends just the pages in the book mm. or just a theoretical conversation. Mm. Like in other words, like that verse is unlimited. This is a spark of my mm. splendor. So now now everything that you see that's yeah. beautiful, wondrous, and glorious, if we we can have a deep realization that that is Krishna's potency. Like, it's just a spark of Krishna's beauty. Mm. So imagine the, the beauty of the, of the source. Mm. Yeah. Well, I think next week we're supposed to have some kind of uh, unique moon. It's supposed to be an eclipsed moon mm. as well as a, a super moon and all kind of put together in a wolf moon, I guess they call it. But anyway, um, I mean, I, 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 I look at celestial things like that every once in a while. And I go, wow, I see it in a different way. Mm. I never saw before. I mean, it was amazing just as it is, but then you add that, you know, add that that's all Krishna's. Yeah. It's just all, it takes it to a whole nother, another level, totally. It was really personal. Yeah, and yeah. Like, like you're just, like you were just saying, like how you were saying you read the Gita for the first time. Yeah. You're like, I can't even understand anything. <laughs> and now, like, like when we're looking outside before we read or any, anything, we came in contact with the boys, we're just like, we couldn't understand it. We couldn't understand anything around us. Why are we suffering? Why is every Why is everything uh, going, uh, happening the way it's happening? You know, like, and now it's like, whoa, Krishna's like, oh my God, he's showing us like, this is me, this is me all along. Yeah. Like, this is me, dude. Yeah. yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Because the subtle body is getting carried, like the aroma is yeah. carried. Yeah. So we're like, we're, we're, we're realizing like. Krishna's arranging all of this. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just like the wind carries an aroma, like the subtle body, Krishna's saying this. At the yeah. time of death, just going into the womb of another mother. Mm-hmm. And if you get some, like I know at times, not all the time, but there's been a few times I've had like a deep kind of visual of, of that fact. Yeah. I'm like, no, I, I cannot do that again. Because <laughs> like, sometimes it can hit you, the reality of it. Like, yeah. you know, no, I'm, I cannot go back into the womb of a mother. Because I, I, I just did it. Like, literally, yeah, I just yeah. did it a few years ago. <laughs> yeah. My God. I'm going to do it again and again. No. <laughs> Please, no. Yeah. And it's just like what um, Krishna was saying in chapter, uh, verse 11, when he's saying, Out of compassion for them, I'm dwelling in their hearts, destroy with the shining lamp of the darkness born of ignorance. So we're in ignorance. And but yet um, the the lamp of knowledge is revealed in the heart. And what can break through the penetrate through the coverings of the heart? Krishna's love. And that's manifested through the things that we're experiencing here. Like that's the only thing that can penetrate. That's how can then begin to be revealed and we become aware of it. Because it's always been there, right? You know, it's untouched. That, that space in our heart with where Krishna, the super Paramatma, and the soul, the Atma, lives. So it's like it's always been there. It's just, we're just becoming aware of it even more. But that can only be done by His mercy, even by only Krishna's mercy, you know. And the empowerment of everything around us, like Guru, because that stuck with me too. That this morning where he's saying, like, it's coming through the line of this, this empowerment, this this love, right? 
this light, this this uh, this light of knowledge is coming through the discipline succession, and it's giving and and you and you see everything man. You see how Prabhupada has just like manifested everything, and how we just and then we're just expanding on his service by being in, in serving a mission. You know. Expansions of his yeah. mercy, yeah. yeah. Expansions of his mercy. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's getting a little late, but <laughs> Universal next week, um, this great Jeevan Prabhu, he's going to give us a summary class on chapter 10. So we're going to meet at 4.30. So can you make it? 4.30. Yeah, okay, wonderful. So what's like, just like you asked the Prabhu audience? We can bring some questions. We can bring some questions to ask. Um, but he's just going to give us a class on chapter 10. So, so every chapter? We're going to do this every chapter, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, bring questions if you like. And, uh, yeah, 4.30. We're doing a little earlier because usually his classes go a little longer. So that way we'll be done for way behind now. Okay? Thank you.